Hi, I'm Grant Speed, and this is the Interim Leader Podcast, brought to you by Aldridge's Interim, the UK's leading provider of interim management services. Being the chief executive of a local council is no easy job. It requires resilience, innovation, and an ability to think commercially within the scope of the public sector. Often it is a balancing act between reducing costs and delivering outstanding services to the local community. So what sort of skill set do you need for such a job? And, as local government evolves, what skills will be needed from its leaders in the future? Jez Ladva, the head of our government practice, is here to tell us all about it. Jez has over 20 years' experience in government talent acquisition, specialising in the recruitment of senior leaders for local authorities and central government departments. Jez, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Grant. Um, Very much looking forward to it. Good. Look, um, okay, I want to ask a question about succession planning first. So how is the government developing its next generation of C-suite leaders? Uh, Straight off the bat, it's a really key question there. And I think in order to answer this sufficiently well, I think we've got to understand the depth of the problem. So local government has experienced um, the challenges posed by austerity now for approaching 10 years. And one of the consequences of austerity is that there's been a delayering of structures. There's been less people. So very much the definition of more with less. And so as a result of that, the the gaps between each of the layers has become wider. And so that has an impact on future talents as well. Um, So that's one area. Second area in terms of the scale of the problem is around demographics. So this is not new to any unique to any particular um, industry, but we are seeing retiring chief execs, um, which has a demographic issue. Um, More recently, there's been uh, what's known as the pensions trap as well, where um, those on higher incomes, particularly within the public sector, uh, there comes a point where um, it's uh, the level of um, pension contribution um, becomes a disincentive to work. And so that has posed a, a problem where people are now, where they're needed more, are now having to rethink whether or not they're, it's financially viable for them to continue. So people are retiring earlier. And then in government, there's also the political nuances. So we live in a very vibrant political landscape at the moment and um, lots of change. And with change within local government, there can mean a change of direction. And as a result of that, chief execs in particular can be in quite a vulnerable position because um, a new leader may want a a new chief exec to take forward the next plans. Um, Just more of a general point around succession planning. I think the the wisdom of succession planning is becoming much more um, questioned in that is it better to have um, uh, talent developed internally so that there is this procession in terms of the next um, heir to the chief exec's throne? Or are we living in such a disrupted world now that having a new leader, a new chief exec at a time, um, might be a more prudent way of doing things? So I think the whole leadership landscape around succession succession planning is um, very active at the moment. I think, aside from all of this, I think the key question which you alluded to is around, is the next generation of talent coming through And how are we all playing a part in developing that next generation of talent? 
That's really interesting, Jess. Thank you. I, I just want to ask a question before we get on to some of the solutions that we could um, put forward. But where are you seeing the current and future talent demands today? Yeah, again, really good question. So um, we're seeing a changing landscape in terms of the skills that are needed. So resilience is a word that's often floated about, but I think um, the depth of leadership courage and um, uh, moral leadership that local government leaders need to display in the current climate uh, um, requires remarkable levels of resilience. I think um, anybody wanting to become a chief exec has to passionately want to be that chief exec through every fibre in their being. It's not something that you think, well, it's the next step in my career and I think I'll give that a try. Um, the sort of posh phrase for this is systems leadership, and that is um, the ability to lead through influence. So now local government, the complexion of local government is very different. So there are a number of different partners and stakeholders involved that are not within the direct province of the local authority. So how do you lead and influence other stakeholders? Another key skill. And I, I think probably the other two areas are around the ability to deal with ambiguity. And so um, things are never uh, black and white. And so there's always a middle ground. And leading people to be inspired to lead through that ambiguity is uh, uh, the current challenge at the moment, the whole reconnecting with public service um, where we've created structures, um, sort of enabling people to break out of those structures in a safe, meaningful way is um, a key challenge. And uh, delivery is the other um, key area where I think that we're moving into a phase where, particularly in this post-referendum um, landscape, where the um, stress testing scenario planning has happened or happening and soon it will move to a state of, well, right, we need to deliver. How are we going to make this happen? Um, and some of the trends that we're seeing, so aside from the skills, are um, some of the hot topics in local government are around economic growth, so ensuring that um, a post-Brexit landscape, um, local economies are thriving, a number of different challenges to that. Um, uh, the digital space is always very active. Um, Thinking um, uh, local government's become much more commercial in its thinking as well. So again, um, an area of consideration. Demand management, I think the fact that we're all living longer is something that should be celebrated rather than it's often perceived as being a bit of a problem. So um, how can we tailor our services to uh, cope with this increased demand? Um, and obviously there's a, a, a key um, talent requirement for some of the core skills around HR, finance and legal. The interesting, thing, the interesting thing about interim is that I think we're starting to see smarter commissioning of interims. So interims can bring about specific skills that the organisation needs at a point in time in their journey and then those skills change. So I think we are seeing in local government a smarter use of interims to the traditional usage. Okay, I, I want to touch on a couple of points that I'm going to come back to on these. So, so for any listeners of our podcast, you know, we, we've touched on digital uh, uh, quite a lot. And I'm interested to see, specifically in the local government space or government space, what sort of demands you're seeing in this area? So to use the cliche, I think that um, the digital um, route is a, is a journey. It's not an end destination. So I think 
both of them are, are realizing that it's not something right we've done digital now it's mm. a continuous um, journey and I think that poses problems then because I think um, to generalize slightly I think that there's um, people within the digital space who are proudly um, their approach is the pursuit of perfection in what they're dealing with however the service um, teams require a momentum so we need um, traction we need things to make happen we need to visibly see the results of how digital is empowering us to do our jobs better and enabling our communities to, th to thrive so there is a tension there the need to make it happen versus the pursuit of perfection um, some of the big ticket items are around um, the wisdom of long-term contracts so a lot of outsourced digital contracts were 10 years um, long contracts and um, there's um, a, a situation where the knowledge moves from um, the local authority that's commissioning those services to the outsourced provider um, so I think there's been much more of a move for what's known as right sourcing so whether that's in sourcing or outsourcing it's about what's right for that organization and a couple of um, key digital trends are uh, obviously around cyber and also uh, around artificial intelligence as well so the, the to give you an example so in terms of the demand management I talked about earlier the fact that we're living longer but artificial intelligence can enable us to live longer and better without um, requiring a dependence on um, the local uh, authority um, so digital is a pivotal part of the landscape and, and also you talked about commercialization and, and I'm guessing it's at front of mind for every local authority at the moment. Is this affecting really where government actually finds its leaders from? Yeah, again, you know, fascinating area. So um, I think that it's important to understand commercial it means lots of different things to different people. Um, I think the key area is I think that you know, business like an approach, I think um, Local government is often underappreciated in terms of how business-like it is in its approach. But also, um, the two key strands of thinking commercially are, one, being efficient with your use of resource, and the second part is your ability to income generate. Now, I think um, in these austere years, I think local authorities have become remarkably um, well-run in terms of their efficiency, given that their, their demands have doubled um, at a time where their resources have halved. So in terms of being able to operate very leanly, I, I think they've achieved that very well. Um, the bit around income generation, I think, is, um, is more nuanced because there's that whole notion of commercial with a conscience and that they are not private sector organisations there to maximise profit, but they are trying to move to a situation where they become much more self-reliant and self-sustainable. Uh, so there's been some... Um, legislative changes around relaxation of, of borrowing requirements, more control of business rates, um, um, and there's been an adaptation around uh, how to free up their thinking to better use that income that's then generated. Um, there's more of a skills mix as well now, so we're seeing talent flows in and out of government, where um, more of a private sector mix into government and more of a public sector mix into the private sector as well. Um, remuneration plays a part in that and so uh, 
the two are unable to compete, so local governments are having to be more, um, uh, have to have a different offer in terms of what, um, what they can do. Um, it's interesting, IR35, the changes around off-payroll working now being extended to the private sector, ironically levels the playing fields. The fact that it was implemented in the public sector first, two years in advance, I think this has an effect on talent. So local authorities can compete uh, more readily for um, interim resource uh, around that. And I think that's an area where um, local authorities have to um, incorporate into their talent strategies. Um, we have also um, developed um, uh, a pool of consultants that can be deployed um, to work with local authorities uh, as part of our uh, Connect solution. And so local authorities can um, supplement their talent um, in a slightly different way, which will enable them to inject commercial thinking into their organisations. And how are those consulting services sort of affecting government talent development? Yeah, so I think that um, the big four, five, six management consultancies are currently facing a conflict of interest in terms of the splitting up of their um, audit um, and consultancy functions. And so um, that comes at a time where the skills in the consultancy skills within government are far more advanced. And so what we're noticing is that government's requiring a different type of consultancy um, composition. So very much a notion of working with government as opposed to doing to government. Um, government are very keen to, to avoid that dependency creation of you know, historic models of the past where a team would come in um, en masse for 6-12 months and then it became very difficult to bring that knowledge into the organisation so there was a dependency that was created. I think one of the things we're very proud of is that our model is very much around a menu it's very much designed to work with and as a result of that we build in an exit strategy right at the outset and part of that is about developing um, government skills um, and leaders within government for some of the skills gaps around consultancy. Mm. I want to take you back now. So, so we began with solutions to developing future talent. What is it you can do? Yeah, well look, I think here at Interim we've um, developed uh, um, interim management workshops that we're offering free to our interim management community, which I think is a step in the right direction. Um, I think that there's a lot to come from this because I, I talked earlier around direct, uh, developing different solutions where government can inject new skills and talent into their structures. And interim management is obviously a key mechanism for that. But also there's, you know, we've got to refresh the interim management community. And I think interim management is now becoming a career choice those that are very much hardwired to um, complexity, spinning plates, um, achieving an outcome and then handing over are, are very different to those that those of us that might want to build something over a longer period of time, a five-year cycle or a ten-year cycle. So as a, uh, local governments become fast evolving, um, having a different refreshed interim community I think uh, will be uh, very much order of the day. Um, we've also looked to develop the next generation of chief execs by running um, uh, some sessions in terms of how we can better support um, aspiring chief, chief execs. So we're recognising that uh, talent um, uh, drain that could be emerging. And 
don't forget that we are very ideally placed in terms of supporting um, future talent solutions around executive levels. We're very close to the market. We're very in tune with some of the strengths that are needed, the skills that are needed, the gaps that are appearing. And we're also very experienced in identifying talent. And also sometimes I think people are not used to, at C-suite levels, are not used to a process. Um, so an interview process and what that involves. So some of the practical measures that we can take in terms of how we can support people through that process um, has a much wider in impact. And I think the other thing that interims tend to bring is that interims tend to be slightly over-experienced for the function that they're being asked of. And so one of the byproducts of having a good interim is that they can mentor um, internal staff so that they can then be developed. And it also provides a healthy antidote to groupthink, so injecting some new ideas into an organisation in a respectful way. And, and building on that, you know, slightly different aspect maybe, but how is interim management promoting diversity in the government space? Yeah, this is something we feel very strongly about. And so I think the, the point around diversity is it, it doesn't, for us, it doesn't begin at the point where we are requested to deploy an interim management. It, bring, it starts much further into that. And I think that, particularly at C-suite levels, within government, there's an under-representation of a diverse uh, workforce. So what can we do about that? Well, I think it's very much linked to the, uh, our support of aspiring talent. We've got to work to develop that talent. And what was interesting is that there's um, a number of uh, diverse communities that we've been able to access in terms of this development process. Um, and so we feel very much um, that the point that diversity doesn't begin at the point of our engagement, it begins much further than that. And so we should be readied in supporting um, diverse talent. What's really interesting, I, I, look, I, I know from a business perspective, we, we've taken diversity, um, across everything that we do. We, we run a very successful inclusion and diversity project and festival that's, that's, that's tied into everything that we do. I'm, I'm going to bring you back though to um, you know, giving a sort of final message that you'd give to aspiring leaders who are operating across the public sector, not, not just government. Yeah, look, I think the traditional flow has been that chief execs have tended to come from either a legal or a financial background. I think we're seeing much more um, a wider array of future chief execs. So they could be coming from more of a service delivery point of view and more from a growth area or transformation. So I think that's something to be welcomed. We need a rich tapestry rather than a singular route. And that obviously plays a part in terms of developing diverse talent. I think we're also seeing, um, I, I think, a message to everybody. That's, I sort of, the, the complexion is that we're moving to a delivery phase. So this in this um, post-referendum um, landscape, I think we have to be very optimistic about things. I think we've got to think about how we can become much more productive so, um, so that we can compete in whatever that complexion looks like. So my message to everybody looking to become a chief exec is it's incredibly exciting time to be doing, to test your skills, develop your skills. We've got a fantastic uh, environment in which to operate. You've got pretty much a blank canvas and I think we should go for it. That's brilliant. Jez, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. You've got you know, such a depth of knowledge within this sector. 
Um, and I'd just like to say thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, look, thanks very much for having me. And uh, my team tell me I have a face for podcasts. So thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, as always, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will definitely see you or uh, speak to you next time. Mm-hmm.